0: As we continue looking at uh, the book of Nehemiah, today we are turning to the sixth chapter. And as you see the, the title there in your bulletin or on the screen, Persevering Through Opposition, we see that we're catching a, a familiar theme still, that, that even as the work is continuing and as uh, God is working through His people and the wall is being built, there is still this opposition that's coming that Nehemiah is having to deal with and persevere through. And I was reminded, looking at this, of Martin Luther, the great reformer. As as there in in the the 16th century, he looked at what was going on in the church and looked at, at the church selling indulgences and trying to... To, in essence, sell salvation to the people. And and Luther saying, no, that this is not right. This is not the way it goes. And and as a reformer, looking to reform what the church was doing. Looking to bring them back to God's word and what God had said. And this ruffled a lot of feathers. You know, this went directly against the people that were in power. And and there, uh, toward the middle of that 16th century, he was called... Before uh, what was known as the Diet of Forms. It was a a group that was all gathered together, a very powerful group that was gathered together with with some of the the highest political as well as religious leaders there. Even the Pope himself was there. People that were trying to shut Luther down and, and actually had even plans to take his life if they couldn't get him to just stop what he was doing. So, gathered together there, this, this group of powerful people, all looking down at this one man standing there, and, and they have a table before him with all his writings. Are these your writings? Say, and he looks through them, and yeah, these are they. They said, Will you recant these? Will you turn away from these? Will you step back in line with the way we've got things running? And as Luther prayerfully considered this, he came to say, if, if God shows me the error in these writings, then of course I will. But if it's just man, I can never turn my back on what God is doing. We're looking at Nehemiah here, and he is coming up against some serious... Opposition, People that are calling him to just get back in line with the way things are going. But Nehemiah, as he looks at this, says, this, this isn't my work here. This is God's work. So let's look in chapter 6. As we see Nehemiah continuing to To deal with these battles that are coming against him. Chapter 6 starts out. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of the enemies heard that I had built the wall. And that there was no breach left in it. Although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me. Saying come. Let us meet together in Hakafirim. In the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop? Will I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sambalat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations and Geshem also says that the you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah. Now the king will hear these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him, saying, no such thing as you say have been done. For you were inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who is confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should a man such as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and I saw that God had not sent him. But he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember. Tobiah and Sambalat, O oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who want to make me afraid. So the wall was finished on the twenty-fifth day of the month of Elul, in fifty-two days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and, letter, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara. And his son, Jehohanan, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the daughter of Berechiah, as his wife. Also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence, and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Chapter 6. The work is finally finished. This is, this is an exciting chapter. And, and yet, even as we get it, that idea of the work being finished is just a quick line in there as we see what is continuing to happen in the ministry of Nehemiah to the people of God in Jerusalem. We've we've spent the last few weeks looking at opposition, knowing that with a vision of God, there is going to be opposition to it. With with a vision that God has put in the hearts and minds and lives of His people. A vision for for how the, the people can be built up and drawn closer to God. That this world is not going to approve. That when a vision like that takes hold, it means the loosening of some of the power of this world that they have on the people. A loosening of the power of the world to the glory of God. And yet the world is not going to take kindly. And we have seen as as Nehemiah dealt with different kinds of opposition. As the people came against him with insults and, and then came with intimidation. Intimidation that even struck into the hearts of the people and and they kind of lost their nerve and called for a stop to this work. And yet, Nehemiah continually turned them back to God, continually went before God in prayer and turned the minds and hearts of the people back to God and said, this is a good thing we're doing. We saw this opposition that happened even within God's people. As they were taking advantage of, of the poverty of their brothers and sisters as they were taking advantage of them and, and subjecting them to slavery, even among themselves. And Nehemiah continues to step in and, and fight on behalf of God's people and say that this is not right. And as we've seen before and we'll see again, to do that, he points them back to God. He shows them who God is. He says, how, how is it that we can can subject our brothers and sisters to slavery when we were all slaves ourselves and God is the one who has freed us. And now here in chapter 6, we see this opposition continuing. Now it starts out that, that the wall is being built. There's no breaches in it anymore. There's, there's no holes in the wall. It's, it's all getting built. He says, all they have left here is to hang the gates and the doors to, to close up those, those gate entries and so these groups that are amassing themselves against Nehemiah that they've been trying to stop the building of the wall they've been trying to tear the people down they've been trying to stop all of this they're seeing that this stuff is continuing by this point they, they do say in there maybe they'll drop the work from their hands. Maybe their hands will just let it go and it won't be finished. And yet their attacks are turning very distinctly against Nehemiah himself. If they can't stop the wall, maybe at least they can take down this man. Let's see what happens there. And so to start, they bring distraction against Nehemiah. He's been just focused on doing what God has called him to do, on on coming in and and rallying the people together and giving them a vision of what God would have done in and through their lives. And as part of that, they're building up this wall around Jerusalem, so that again Jerusalem can be this beacon that shows the world what God is like. And so now they're coming against him with distraction, with vile intent. They're sending him these messages. Come, let us meet together. Come out of there, Nehemiah. Come down and come meet with us. We are the people of power. We are the ones who control things around here. Let's get together and maybe hash out how things are going to go. Might be even appealing to, to this pride in there. Come meet with the governors. Come meet with the people who are in power. Let's have a discussion. You can be our equal and... We'll allow this. They invite him to come out to the plain of Ono, it says there. It's probably about a day's journey from Jerusalem. Out quite a bit closer to their own territory. They're calling him to come away from the work that he's doing. Come onto their turf. And stop all this. as Nehemiah hears this. This could be something, like I said, that, that appeals to his pride. He, he gets to go and have an audience with, with the governors. These people who have been trying to display their power, now they're calling on him to come and join and, and maybe have some sort of good discussion. And yet Nehemiah sees through it. He acts with discernment. And he sees through this. He sees, as it is said, that they are only seeking His harm in this. He acts with resolution. He discerns what's going on. He sees that, that what they're saying is not in actuality what they're probably going to do. As they say with this invitation, come, join us, come and talk. We want to we have this discussion. What he's looking through that and seeing is, no, they don't want that. They want things to stop here and they want to do harm to what God's doing. And so he, discerning that, he then moves with resolution. He says, no. Everybody say that one time. No mm-mm, no. no. We need to learn that more often. It's a really easy, real small word. We can say it pretty easily, right? Until things are asked of us, until things are, are placed to us there. And he just resolutely says, "No, That ain't happening." Four times they send this message. Nehemiah, come on out. Come out and have this this meeting with us. No! He writes it there in verse 3. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down, he tells them. He's not bragging about being a great man. He's not bragging about doing something that, that in himself is good. What he's saying is, I'm doing God's work, and since it's God's work, it's a great work. I can't be distracted with these other things. I can't come down and meet with you. No, he says. And his resolute no is followed up by the conviction of it. Even as they send it four different times, come and join us. No, come and join us. No, come and join us. No, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot... Come down. He stands by it. All too often we falter in one or even all three of these. We don't discern what's going on. We don't see those distractions that are coming. We don't see those attacks that are coming. They, they tend to blindside us because we're not looking. We're not asking God what is true about these situations. We just react and jump into things. Or our answer is not resolute. I mean, when they send this, when they tell Nehemiah, come down, come and meet us on the plains of Ono, come out and and join us here. His response is not, maybe later. His response is not, let me think about it. And I'm the kind of guy who's like the classic overthinker. I want to look at things from all different kinds of sides and, and really weigh them out. And there's a lot of times that that can be a really good thing, but there are some times that it just needs a no. That's not happening. Nehemiah just says, I'm about a great work and I can't come down. Not maybe later. Not let me think. Not coming. And then he. Acts with conviction. Sometimes we can see the, the attack that's coming, we discern what's happening there, and we shut it down. But there's a saying I heard that said, opportunity may knock only once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. Sometimes we can be discerning and we can see what's going on there. We can be resolute in what we're saying, but then as it comes and comes and comes again, there's this chipping away at the defenses. Nehemiah turns to God and acts with discernment, acts with resolution, and with the conviction to continue it. And so seeing that he's not going to fall to their come and join us on the fields of Ono, oh then they have, well, let's try this other approach. Send in the same message. Come out and join us. We want to have a little powwow here. Come out and join us. But while you do it, he said he sent with his servant there in verse 5, he sent with his servant an open letter. This letter without a seal on it. This letter that anybody who happens along is free to read. This letter that says, hey, we know what you're doing. We know that you're trying to rebel against the king. We know that you're trying to set yourself up as king. We know that you're all about yourself, that you're trying to rally the people so that you can be the king, so you can go up against the king. And what's more... We just might have to tell him so. Now, come and join us on the plains of Ono. They move from this simple distraction, from simply trying to appeal to him, now to trying to threaten him. Trying to threaten that they're going to call him out as as a traitor. Trying to threaten that they're going to bring a bigger power, a bigger stick against him. Nehemiah knows several things they don't. One, that king to whom they're going to run and tell has already heard about this whole plan. Has already given Nehemiah the okay because Nehemiah told him back in chapter 2 what's going on and appealed to him and the king said, because God was at work in his life, the king said, yeah, go, build up the walls. Do this. Nehemiah had already been through that. And he had probably shown them the letters of passage as they came through. Maybe they hoped he would forget. Maybe they hoped that given the right tone, they could make him so afraid that he didn't even think about that. The other thing Nehemiah knew is that this was just flat out not true. And he said so as they bring these slanderous threats against him, as they bring these ideas that say, we are going to go and tell the king this, this, and this about you. We are going to take you down, shut this whole thing down, and your life is worth nothing because the king's going to destroy you. Nehemiah knows that the things that they're accusing him of are not true. There's not even a hint of that. And his past will back that up. His past, as he has been cupbearer to the king, as he has been one who is trusted, who has proven himself again and again and again as faithful, as a godly man. His past is going to back that up. Nehemiah has lived a life of integrity so that when they bring these threats against him, He says, no. They bring these threats. They hope that they can take Nehemiah down with them and and maybe if they can't take Nehemiah down with with these threats, at least since it's an open letter and everybody can see it, those who are with Nehemiah might look and go, oh, we don't want to get caught up in whatever mess is coming. And they'll abandon the work as they say. In verse 9. They wanted to frighten us so that their hands will drop the work. And Nehemiah prays instead, Lord, strengthen our hands. They want to come in and see our hands drop the work. No, God, put extra strength in our hands so that we can be about the work to which you have called us. And finally, in this insidious little attack, they've got an insider. Somebody who comes in and undermines the whole thing. In verse 10, he says, I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah. We hear as we go on that he's a prophet. He goes to the house of this probably trusted individual who jumps on that wagon and says, you know what, they're coming to kill you and we've got to do something about this. I mean, he's probably talking with, with just this, this beautiful sincerity. Nehemiah, you are in danger and we've got to do something. You know what? Let's go into the temple. Let's close up the doors. We'll get you back in the Holy of Holies where they'll never find you. And if Nehemiah responds in fear, if Nehemiah says, oh, are you, are you serious? They're, com- they're coming tonight. They're going to kill me tonight. Yeah, we've we got to do something about this. Come into the temple with me. We'll put you back where only the priest can go. We'll get you tucked in behind all the doors we have into that place where only the, priest, the high priest goes, and even he goes only once a year. But surely, Nehemiah, this is, this is an important circumstance, and you need to follow me. If Nehemiah responds in fear, he's going to respond by going against what God has called His people to, as God has set this up as a holy place. And so as Nehemiah hears this prophecy, he has the choice of responding in fear and just ignoring what God says to preserve himself. Or he says, man, you're talking foolishness. We can't do that. If I'm leading the people, how am I supposed to run? And you want to take me into the temple where only the high priest goes? I'm not a man who can go there. God isn't playing when He says this. And so Nehemiah refuses. Again, discerning that this man isn't bringing a message from God as he tells him, they're coming to kill you. Let's go hide. He's bringing a message that's meant to undermine Nehemiah in a way that shows that he cares more about himself than what he does about God. These, these vague threats of their coming to kill you. These vague threats of an open letter. They might just hear that you're doing things. We see even at the end of this chapter that there's been this back and forth between Tobiah, one of these conspirators, and people within the city. People who are beholden to him. People who are bound by oath to him. Whether it's by business or as we see there, that his Tobiah's son has taken a daughter from Meshulah, the son of Berachiah, which, if you remember, I don't expect you to remember, back in chapter three when we said a whole bunch of names. That's one of the guys working on the wall. One of the very guys who is building up this wall is actually father-in-law to Tobiah, one of these conspirators, and we get this this hint there that we've seen back in the Book of Ezra chronologically here that there's this intermarriage between God's people and the pagan people around that's going to prove to be a problem and we see it as a problem right here <laughs> and there's been all this this back and forth communication between God's people and and the conspirators these these things where people are trying to praise Tobiah in Nehemiah's presence and and they're taking Nehemiah's words and actions and whatever and reporting those to Tobiah and It's dangerous. When we're in a place that Nehemiah doesn't know what he can say, in whose presence he can say it, and where that word's going to spread. These letters that come back and forth and, and all these vague things that say people are saying... Without giving credence to who those people are, without somebody stepping forward and saying, these are dangerous and toxic ways of interacting. Those anonymous people will say, these are some of the things against which Nehemiah is working. But praise be to God right in the midst of it. Verse 15. We see these words, so the wall was finished. 52 days it took, and the work on the wall was finished. 52 days. From when Nehemiah came into Jerusalem and started looking around and and checking things out and seeing what's going on and praying over this thing and and being careful about who he talks to until the time is right and he gathers the people together and he says, you see the mess that we're in. You see that something's got to be done. And the people rise up and say, yes, let's do this. God is worth it. Let's work hard on this. 52 days. And this huge project is coming to its completion. Let's not miss the fact that back at the beginning of this book, when Nehemiah's heart is stirred over this and he burns over this and he spends that time in prayer, it's like 120 days that he spends praying. He spends about two and a half times the time in prayer as it takes to actually do the work on the wall. Let's not give up on Prayer. So often we, we pray about something. We pray about it once, twice, maybe three times, and then we're like, okay, that's I've prayed over it. Now we need to do something. Let's pray diligently over these things that God is burning into us. We see the work finished on the wall. Verse 16 says, Our enemies heard it. All the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. These guys are, are hearing that, oh, no, it actually happened. These guys actually pulled together and they did this thing. And, and they're kind of backing off now for a little bit, trying to figure out something there. Because, it says at the end of 16, they perceive that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Guys, that's what we got to remember. We're not fighting this battle on our own. But that vision that God has placed in your heart, He didn't place in your heart for you to scheme and figure out how it's going to go and then in your own strength, ramrod that through, that this is something that God is about. And we saw Nehemiah continuing to talk about it as he talks to the people and he tells them about how he God had worked in the life of the king so that he w- was able to come to Jerusalem, that the king gave him his blessing and sent him off to Jerusalem. He tells the people about how God has been at work in the constructing of the wall. He tells the people that they need to look to God because God is the one who's going to fight for them. Again and again and again we see the good hand of my God was upon me. And we need to remember when those distractions come. We need to remember when those threats, that the undermining, that maligning, all those different attacks come, that we're not meant to bear that burden on our own either. We don't have the strength for it. We've got to remember that we turn to God because it is He who is fighting this battle. And so I ask again. Where we stand here in chapter 6 with the walls built, everything hung and, and ready to go. What is God burning in your heart? What are those places that as we look, we see the walls, as it were, crumbled and gates burned? Where is it that we see people dying? Relationships falling away. Injustices being done and nobody's doing anything about it. Where are those places that the Holy Spirit just keeps poking that? Just keeps bringing that to your heart. Those battles that God is fighting that He's inviting you into. Jesus, we thank You. We thank You for Your faithfulness, Your persistence in chasing us down. We thank You for Your persistence of calling us to life in Yourself. Jesus, if there are any here that don't know you personally, that don't know you as Savior, I pray that you continue to pursue. And I pray that their heart is softened to say yes to you. And God, for those of us that know you, I thank you for your persistence that you do not just leave us where you found us and call that good, that you continue to push us to know You more, to know You deeply. I thank You that You long to give us a vision for Your glory that can be proclaimed among the people that the world can see who You are. And God, I confess that at times, too distracted to see those, or too afraid to follow God, I pray that in our lives You cut through the distractions. You embolden us with the knowledge that we are in You. That we hold You above our own preferences. God, do big things. Through this church, through our lives, By Your strength and for Your glory, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.